Hope that's okay. Yeah, good. Right. Um, yeah, well, good morning, everyone. Um, like Hannah said, I'm John. Um, and I just want to echo what Hannah said already. Thank you so much for having us um, here this morning and for your prayers and encouragement and support. We really do, um, really do feel it very deeply. Um, we feel very blessed with how God has um, been using you in, in our journey and um, what little part that we have in the work that he is doing um, there in Central Asia. Um, this morning, I just want to share, we've had those two passages. I just want to share about um, kind of a bit of a challenge that we faced um, through being there and then just some encouragement um, for us all. So let me just pray um, for this time that we have together. Um, yes, Lord, I, I want to praise and thank you, Lord, that your word, the Bible, is living, Lord, that it is alive, um, that it can speak into our lives, um, Lord, that it is your word, Lord, that it is truth, that we can rely on it, Lord, that we can, can, can know you through its words, Lord, its living words. And Lord, this morning as we come and look at these passages, Lord, please speak to us um, through those passages, Lord. Please, by your spirit, impact our hearts and our lives, Lord. Please speak to us. Please show us your truth. Show us yourself, Lord. Please help us to engage with it and bury it deep within our hearts, Lord, that it may, Lord, that our lives may, may pour out that truth, Lord, that that love and truth that we see in your scripture uh, may pour out in our, into our whole lives, Lord. And so, yes, Lord, I commit this time to you, Lord, um, and may it bless all of us. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, since moving to Central Asia, we've seen lots of different things, we've um, kind of experienced loads of, um, of new perspectives and loads of new things. We've been challenged by not only what we see, but how we, how we perceive it. So how people from different cultures, we work alongside people from lots of different cultures, um, as well as from the country we're living in, um, and how the same situation, the same thing we see can be interpreted in so many different ways, depending on your character, your background, your culture. Um, and part of our journey, as Hannah's already alluded to, is we've lost, to a certain extent, that ability to, to see, to see what our future holds, to be able to see what some of the choices, what, what the impact of those choices will be. Um, because in so many situations, we just don't, we can't predict, we can't predict how people will respond, um, because we just don't know enough yet of the culture and of people's backgrounds and where they're coming from. Um, and this... This poses a challenge. It's intimidating, um, but it is also freeing. And I think as we look at these passages this morning, we'll see, hopefully what will come through is that, is that sense of freedom that we have um, in that. So the passage, the reading we had first, that, one, that single passage in, a uh, single verse, sorry, in 2 Corinthians 4, um, it talks about what is seen. So, so it says in that passage, it, it it commands us, it compels us to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Um, so it's useful to, to look at that. Well, what do we mean by what is seen? What is that? What is this, what is this referring to? Well, the seen is, it's our lived out day-to-day -day realities. It's um, everything. It's, it's the good, it's the bad. Um, it's also maybe how we perceive what's going to happen in our future, um, our, our plans, our ambitions, um, 
what we, what we know may happen from a particular course of action. Um, and by, by default, we fix our eyes on these things. They, they grab our attention. They demand a response um, because we, we live in this life. It's here. It's real. Um, these things have an impact on us. We can have an impact on it. We have an impact on what we see on our, on our surroundings. And when, when it's going well and everything is, is fitting with our plans and what we want to be happening, um, that seems okay, right? It seems okay to just be engaging, just fixing our eyes on what's going on with, with our lives. But what do we do? What happens when it's not going well? When we see this, the impact that sin is having on our world and on our lives, the pain, the suffering, illness, destruction, death, the realities of sin in this life. Um, and when, when, when everything is stable, again, we can find security, we can find happiness in, in, in what's in front of us, in the scene. Um, but I think if, if, if the last few years and recent events are showing us anything, it's that this world, this life is not stable. It is not stable and there's lots of suffering. There are lots of bad things about this life. There are lots of things that we see um, that are distressing and upsetting. And the truth of that situation, the truth is that without God, that is a hopeless situation. That, that, that what we see, this death, this destruction, this unstable, unpredictable life is hopeless. Um, but it is not hopeless. Um, God invites us to a better reality. And in fact, in this verse that we're looking at, this key verse where he not only invites us, he commands us to, to, to shift our gaze, to, to fix our gaze, not on what is seen, but to fix our gaze on what is unseen. But what does that mean? What, what does that mean? What does it mean to fix our eyes on what is unseen? Um, and for that, to look at that further, we'll look to our second passage. So this passage in Mark 14, where we see Jesus in Gethsemane, um, and we look to that for our example of what... Um, what it looks like. So Jesus, on this approach to the cross, on, on, this, on this, this journey that he's doing, um, to the sacrifice on the cross that we, we celebrate and we look to at Easter time, um, he spends his time in Gethsemane praying. Uh, Jesus, Jesus could see, Jesus knew what was going to happen. Um, he studied scripture, he was well aware that he was sent by God to sacrifice his life on the cross. He knew that. He knew the reality that that meant suffering and death. Um, he knew it was God's will. He, he, he could see that. He could see that happening. But just knowing it and seeing it did not make it easy. Just, just knowing it did not mean that he could put off the emotions attached to it and that make it easy. In fact, we see quite the opposite. We see a description in these verses of deep, deep emotion. We see him saying that he's deeply distressed and troubled in verse 33. Um, in thir 34, we see that declaration to his disciples of feeling overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. These are deep emotions. These aren't emotions faced by someone who's just got an easy task ahead of them. And these emotions are so strong. The, the emotion attached to what he can see, his reality that he's about to, to step into, is so strong that he repeatedly prays to God to take it away from him. He pleads with God to take away what's going to happen 
even though he knows that's why he's there. He knows that's his purpose. And it just shows how deep the emotion is, how difficult what he is faced with was. But he doesn't stop there. His prayer doesn't end with repeatedly asking God to take it away from him. No, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't ignore what's about to happen. He doesn't pretend like it's smaller. He, he, he submits it to God, but he doesn't fix his attention on it. We see his prayer that he, after he prays for, to God to take it away from him repeatedly, he then prays and he submits to God's authority. He recognizes that God's will and God's authority is greater than anything that he could face. It's greater than what he is about to face. And he submits his life to it. And he demonstrates in that, he demonstrates in that for us, what it means to fix, to, to engage in the scene, to be in, in that reality, but not to fix our eyes on it. He demonstrates for us how his eyes is, are fixed on the eternal how he can recognize, even in that place, that God's will and God's authority is greater. So as we unpack this example that Jesus gives for us, what, what does it mean for us? What does that mean for us in our lives when we are dealing with the scene, when we are dealing with what's right in front of us? One thing I think it demonstrates for us is that this, this command to fix our eyes on the unseen rather than the seen doesn't mean we should ignore difficulties. It doesn't mean we should ignore what's happening in front of us. It doesn't mean we should ignore um, things in the world. It doesn't mean that we should pretend that they're smaller than they are. We shouldn't pretend that the bad things and the consequence of sin that we're seeing in this world is not as bad as it is, because it is. Um, we know that, we feel that. We shouldn't pretend that life is always easy because we know that the reality is it's not. Um, we shouldn't pretend that we can't get hurt by things in this life and they don't affect us. Because, like I said, this, we live in a broken world. We live in the consequence of sin, and that means that there is pain, and that means there is suffering. There is inequality, there's hatred. And as we, as we press forward and we press into lives as Christians, that brings greater suffering because we face persecution and rejection. So, we, so we, we know that, we see that, but we don't fix our eyes on it. And this is what it's saying to us. We don't fix our eyes on it. We fix our eyes on the unseen. We fix our eyes on the truth. Um, that we were made for something greater than this world. That we are eternal beings that this world with its pain and its suffering um, is temporary. We fix our eyes on God because he is greater than even the most difficult situations. And especially now, and especially as we're coming to Easter time and we're looking at the sacrifice on the cross, we fix our eyes on the hope that we have in that. Because on the cross, we have the absolute guarantee, an absolute guarantee that we will be saved from this situation, that this is temporary, that we have an eternal glory where there isn't pain and there isn't suffering to look forward to. And we fix our gaze on that. And with that perspective and with that perspective of, of, of the perspective Christ demonstrated for us and that perspective, 
It should transform the things we say, the things we do, the choices we make. It should transform how we engage with the scene, with what we're doing in this life. Because we, don't, we no longer fix our eyes like default on what is seen, but on something greater. But how? How do, we, how do we live a life like that? How do we make it so that we can do that? How do we prepare so that no matter what we face in this life, whether that's when things are going well and we're happy and we feel secure and everything's going according to plan, or when we face deep sorrow, even as Jesus faced sorrow to the point of death, how? How can we make sure? How can we prepare? It, whether it's good or bad, how can we prepare for those things? Well, at the, at the core, at the root of that is knowing God. Because if, we don't, if you don't know God, if you don't know that he is greater, really know it, really believe it, if you don't know that God really has the best for us, that he loves us, that he is in control, um, then this, this, this falls apart. We need to know God and we need to know what he has done for us on the cross, what he has done for us in Christ dying for our sins. And that gift that he has given freely to us, that no one, nothing, no situation can take away from us, that nothing can separate us from. We need to, 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 to see this, we need to see our lives as being eternal, that, we, that this is temporary that there is an end, that God promises something so much greater. And only by knowing God can we really rely on these characteristics, rely on these promises. And God, he wants to be known. He reveals himself to us. He's given us his living word, the Bible. He's blessed us with his spirit to reveal himself to us. So we should take that seriously. How, do we, how can we know God? By reading and meditating on his word. And through that, looking at examples, we can turn to Christ like we have in this passage and look at the example. We can invite the Spirit and truly give our whole lives to God and invite him to, to speak into all of our lives. Use his church. God uses fellowship. He uses his church to reveal himself. It's being part of a church, by serving, by being part of the body of Christ. This is how... We can, we can draw our gaze, we can fix our gaze on God. But what do we do when we do get to that point of feeling overwhelmed? Um, and if you've never experienced that before, that's a, that's a true blessing. But so many have, and you may, because, like I said, this is the reality of the world we live in. Horrible things happen. So what do we do when it's something that feels like is impossible to overcome, that seems hopeless? Um, how, how, how do we deal with that? And again, we turn and we look at the example of Christ, um, and not just the example from this passage where he faced that situation, but the example from his whole life. And he lived his whole life. He lived a life of walking in step with God. He didn't just turn to God in distress. He didn't live a life of, of, of prayer where he only prays where, when he has a request for God. No, he lived, he lived a life 
his whole life in communion with God. So when he came, when in that in in Gethsemane, when he comes in distress and and being overwhelmed, he comes to a God that he knows. He comes to a God who he knows and he trusts and he he can he can say with honesty that he wants God's will to be done, no matter what that looks like. And that's because he knows God. You can't, that doesn't work. If you don't know God, you can't come in distress and truly submit to his will because you're submitting to someone you don't know. We can't expect to be able to fix our eyes on the eternal, on the unseen, in the difficult situations, unless we're doing it in all situations. It doesn't work like that. And God calls us to do that. Um, he calls us to submit our whole lives to him. He calls us to, to, to gaze upon him and to fix our eyes on him throughout our whole life. And a life that is fixed on God and a life that's fixed on the eternal, it should be apparent because, like I said, we have a different perspective. The world and culture fixes its gaze on what is right in front of us and what is seen. But a life that has its gaze fixed on the eternal, fixed on God, looks different. It should be distinctive, as it was with Christ. And that means it should be distinctive from the secular culture that we live in. The secular culture here, the secular culture where we're living now. And it does pose a, 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 quite a challenging question of if we analyse our lives and they don't look different... Well, then what is our gaze fixed on? Are we truly fixing our gaze on what is unseen, on the eternal God? And this poses a challenge for us, but it also poses freedom. We have freedom in that we don't need to interpret things the way our culture does. We don't need to respond in the same ways that, that people in our culture do. And... Another added freedom is we don't need to pretend everything is fine if it's not. And especially not within church and with other believers. Because we know the reality of this broken world. But we know and we fix our eyes on the reality of a greater life to come. And God invites us to that better way of, of, of being. He, he, he wants us to step into the freedom we have in that this gives us an answer to pain and to suffering that the world cannot provide it gives us a hope that the world cannot give us the world's way of answering pain and suffering and giving hope is so often to ignore it to find a distraction to ignore it to pretend it's not happening to keep up appearances to just keep on smiling no that is not true hope. God gives us a better, a greater hope. A hope that does and should transform the way we think and what we say and how we act and the choices we make because of our attention being fixed on him. And that's the challenge that this passage gives us this morning to, to adjust our perspective and what we see and what we happens in this life. To let us recognize that Yes, we interpret it in different ways and we have different emotions and different cultures and different backgrounds and we come from different places. But 
even though that is true in that sense, God is the same. For all of us, God gives us a hope. What we see is real. Let's not pretend that it's not real. Let's not pretend that life is fine all the time because it's not. It's felt. It's real. Sometimes life sucks. It's bad. It just is. It's hard. It's painful. And sometimes it can feel overwhelming and hopeless. We shouldn't pretend it's smaller. We should engage in it, but we should view it in light of the unseen. We shouldn't just stop there. We shouldn't just go through life saying, this is hard, this is hard, this is difficult. It is. But we need to view it in the light of the hope that we have in Christ. Because the true reality, the truth is that God is in control of this world. He is greater than anything that we can go through. We are eternal beings. We are not just eternal beings, but we are eternal beings who are loved, deeply loved by the Almighty God. Nothing can break those promises. Nothing can break what he's done for us on the cross. So especially with, at this Easter time, as we come and we focus again on the cross and we bring that into our attention as we see it, um, let us bury that in our hearts. Let us commit that to our hearts so that throughout the rest of the year, no matter what we face, we can still rely on that truth, that we can still fix our gaze on it. And if, and if what I'm saying this morning doesn't, doesn't resonate, if you don't know these truths, if, if this is not something that you've heard about or engaged with before, or it all sounds a bit weird, um, or if you're here this morning and your life, you look at your life and, 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 and that challenge to look at our lives and seeing if we're distinctive, seeing if we're dealing with what is seen differently to everyone, um, then this is a great time, especially at this Easter time, as we draw our attention to the cross. It's a great time to ask more, to find out more, to, to discover more, because God wants to be known. He invites us to a better reality, a reality of hope. He loves us. He wants the best for us. He, wa he wants us to fix our gaze on him. Um, and he is worthy of it. He is worthy of our attention and of our lives. So please, please ask more. Please seek him um, and, 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 and discover and see what it's like, what, what the hope that he gives and the reality that gives an answer to this world and gives an answer to suffering and to pain. So let me pray. Lord, I praise and thank you that you are eternal, Lord, that you are almighty, Lord, that you are in control. Lord, I thank you that you give us hope, Lord, that through the cross, through that sacrifice that you made there for us, Lord, that you have given us hope. Lord, we, even though we don't deserve it, Lord, we, we could never earn it, Lord, that you have given us that gift. 
Lord, that through the cross that you welcome us, Lord, with open arms to be part of your family, Lord, that you adopt us into your family. And Lord, that, that you have given us that promise, Lord, that promise that could never be broken and never be lost, that we, we will see a time, Lord, where there's no more suffering and there's no more pain when we eternally live beyond this world, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you bless us with your word. Please, Lord, help us, um, Lord, in our, in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, Lord, please help us to live lives, Lord, that fixes our eyes on you. Lord, no matter what we face, no matter the distractions, no matter the pain, the suffering, the realities of life, Lord, please give us, by your spirit, Lord, please give us the ability to fix our gaze on you, Lord. Lord, to see you in all situations, to be able to, with humility as Christ did, submit them to you, Lord, to bring them to you. Lord, not to, to pretend that there's something different, but to bring the reality to you, Lord, but to submit to your will, Lord, knowing, Lord, really knowing that you are greater, Lord, that you are greater than anything, Lord, and that you love us. Lord. Amen.